This episode is brought to you by NordVPN. Listen up, nerds. No. Good evening, Mr. and Mrs. America, from border to border and coast to coast and all the ships at sea. What? Hello, friends. Do you have a computer? Of course you do, because it's not 1987. Hell, you're listening to this on some kind of computer right now. But do you have a VPN? Oh, (laughs) what's a VPN, you ask? Well, my friend, a VPN is a virtual private network and it offers two key benefits. Enhanced privacy and security online. But VPNs do a lot more than that. VPNs shield your IP address, change your browsing location, and make online life easier. It's all about safety and security, my friends. But, like everything else in life, it's also about watching TV. Don't let your paid subscriptions go to waste. I use NordVPN to access my home content while I'm traveling. Wink, wink. Plus, secure your connection on public Wi-Fi in airports, hotels, cafes, anywhere you go when you're traveling. There's over 6,300 servers in 111 countries, and you can find a nearby server for the best VPN speeds. NordVPN is easy to use. Connect with one click or enable auto-connect for zero-click protection. And it's got amazing speed. NordVPN is one of the fastest VPNs out there. And with just one NordVPN account, you can use it on six devices. It supports every major platform, Windows, Android, iOS, Mac OS, Linux, even Android TV. I think those are all real. Don't miss out on all the awesome benefits for using a VPN. Go to nordvpn.com ifanboy today for a risk-free 30-day money-back guarantee. The link's in the show notes. Once again, that's nordvpn.com ifanboy. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Um, you ever feel like you really need to get something off your chest? This is this this is a, like a real thing. Like, if you're mad, if you're upset, if uh, if there's something going on, like the I, there's there's often for me an idea. Maybe it's a wrong. Maybe it's a moment. It's it's an injustice. It's something that because you, you keep going on and on over and over in your mind about it, and like that can create anger and resentment or shame, whatever it is. And very often. I have found, I am not a therapist, I have found that when you let it out, when you give it voice, when you say it out loud, um, sometimes it makes you feel better because you've, you've expressed it. And sometimes it makes you realize like, oh, this is not a big deal that I've, it's been stuck in my head. So you give voice to those things um, and it can make you feel a lot better. And shock of all shocks, therapy is one of those things that can help you do that. It can help you be able to say those things in a place where you don't need to worry about the repercussions of it, work your way through it, uh, figure out coping skills, how to get around it, you know, find, find ways to deal with that stuff instead of letting it fester. Um, if you are thinking of starting therapy, uh, if anything I said sounds familiar, you're like, oh, maybe my life would be a little better if I could deal with that kind of thing. You should give BetterHelp a try. It's fully online. It is convenient, flexible. It is suited to your schedule. That's the idea. That's what they're going for. Um, you can fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. That's a big deal. You can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. That that personal connection, I believe, to be super important. Again, I'm not a professional. Uh, get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash iFanboy today. You get 10% off your first month. That is BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash iFanboy. You are listening to the iFanboy Pick of the Podcast episode 295, brought to you by Graphically and iFanboy listeners like you. The soothing sounds. Work 
FM.com, Pick the League Podcast, episode 295. We're back from San Diego. Woo! Survived. Barely. Woo! Also, woo. <laughs> My name is Connor Kilpatrick. I'm here with Josh Flanagan. Woo. And Ron Richards. <laughs> woo! We are at FanBud.com. We like comics. We read comics. And we can read a bunch of comics. One of us picks the best one, writes a better website, talks about the podcast, along with other various topics of interest, emails, voicemails, all kinds of fun things. So before we get to the show, a reminder and a warning. This is a review show, so we'll be talking about the books of the week. There'll be spoilers, so pause the show and come back. If you haven't read your books yet, you'll be happier. I'm talking fast because we've got a lot of books. <laughs> Big week, and Ron... Hold on, hold on. To... i got to finish reading. Wait, wait. <laughs> okay. Ron, you, you were the sorry bastard that had the pick on this week. I was books. a sorry bastard to get the pick this week. Oh, man, I had like 23 books, um, including, which, were, which were, I don't think we're mentioning here, but uh, The League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, the new one, the 869 one, which I haven't even read yet. I haven't even read it yet. Because I, no. I don't count that as an it's issue. It's like a mini trade. Yeah, it's a mini trade, yeah. So I'm sure it's we'll just talk, a time. I'm sure we'll talk about it later on. But, um, it took them three years to come out. You shouldn't have to mainline it. Yeah, exactly. I, don't, I wanted to enjoy it, you know, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring it on the plane tonight. That's my plan. But anyway, yeah, so I had like 23 books, and... It, it was it, and there was a lot, a lot of stuff came out from like a lot of different publishers, which is pretty cool. It was a nice. It was a good mix of uh, Marvel and DC and Image and and IDW and stuff like that. Um, but ultimately, when it came down to it, it was one of those things where I, you know, you know me, I go with I go with the gut, I go with the heart, and uh, Venom number five just just was was powerful, powerful stuff. Um, so if you if you're not familiar with uh, Venom, uh, written by Rick Remender, and they're trading off art duties between Tony Moore and Tom Fowler, and this issue actually was the first time where both artists were on the same issue. Um, we got a six page action sequence by Tony Moore um, that opened up the the issue, and then the the rest of the book, the remaining um, uh, have thirteen or however many pages were by Tom Fowler. Um, so it was nice to kind of see both artists, you know, do their thing on the book. And if you haven't picked up Venom yet, if you haven't checked it out, um, this issue serves as a perfect jumping on point, I thought, uh, because it's a single one and done issue. Um, and it's, you know, a storyline had just finished there, but it's going to, and unfortunately it's going to tie into the whole spider Island thing. And I say, unfortunately, because perfect dropping point. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But we'll see. We'll see. I don't know. <laughs> But um, but uh, I'm leaving you behind. Hopefully, hopefully not too poorly. But but um, uh, it, it was interesting because when we talked to Rick Remender when Venom was launching, you know, I talked to him, you know, in person. I, I think it was at WonderCon, and then also we t- we talked to him on one of those Marvel press conferences, and he kept on reiterating the fact that you know this you know Venom is Flash Thompson, who was you know we know from Spider Man in the Venom costume. But the story, the story isn't about Venom eating brains and everything. It's about Flash, and it's about Flash as a person, and Flash dealing with his anger issues and his previous alcoholism and dealing with the fact that he doesn't have any legs from losing him in the war and being in the army and, and the sense of duty and patriotism. And in this, uh, in this particular case, whereas Remender working, you know, Remender's working on the character. Like, this is truly a character piece, which is an interesting um, – uh, kind of uh, difference from Uncanny X-Force, which is a team book which he's working on. It's a different dynamic. We're going to talk about that a bit later. Um, But, you know, he kept on stressing that that Venom would be about the character of Flash, the character. And no issue, I don't think, has come that across as much as this one. Um, In that mainly, you know, this is an issue about Flash dealing with his his family and and his upbringing and how that all built up and formed the person who he is today. 
Um, you know, we he gets a uh, the the issue kind of focuses on Flash's relationship with his father, and um, you know, kind of recapping the fact that his father was abusive and 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 alcoholic, and how that you know affected him growing up, and how that drove some of his anger issues and drove who he was. Um, and then we come back in the story to see Flash today, and and dealing with his girlfriend Betty, who who he, they're on the a little bit on the rocks because he's hiding the fact that he's Venom and he's sneaking off and going to do these missions, and she's getting frustrated because he's not around. Um, you know, and so when he tries to, you know, pay, you know, say, okay, I'm going to get my life in order. I'm going to pay attention to my girlfriend. Then his mother calls and says, you know, that his father has fell off the wagon and he's in, she, he doesn't know, she doesn't know where he is and he's got to go find him. Um, that scene, that conversation with his mother was one of the most realistic, well-written comic book, personal phone conversations I've ever read. Um, we only heard Flash's side of it. And as I'm reading it, I'm like, oh God, I've heard this conversation. I was like, oh God, I think I might have had this conversation, you know, not specifically, but like, you know, that whole kind of, you know, where, you know, you, someone's, you, someone's dealing with a difficult family member or a, um, or a difficult friend or a difficult, um, you know, point in their life. And that, you know, that tense moment where you're just like, you're just at your wits end and you, you don't want to have to deal with it, but you know, because of your familial obligations, you have to, um, and just remember, just totally nailed that. And then, uh, so Peter Parker helps his buddy out. And, and so Peter and Flash go out looking for his dad, they hitting, hitting the local bars and they finally track him down at the police station where he's been picked up and we see drunk drunk uh flash thompson dad and they get into a tussle and ultimately uh flash you know has the moment where he could you know punch his father back and get him back for all those things and get him back for calling him a cripple and all that sort of stuff but he rises above and he doesn't and it just was a real you know and then of course it ends with you know kind of him breaking down and crying in his girlfriend's arms and then then just sadly phone ringing and having to go off on a mission as venom and it was just such a great powerful character piece and you know, dealing with social issues, dealing with, you know, the thing, you know, these are the things that make up our lives. And, you know, that's not new to comics, especially Marvel comics. We've been reading these stories and it's been, you know, people with drug problems or people, you know, like real things seep into these stories all the time. And it reminds us that, you know, that's why Marvel is kind of somewhat different than the, than DC or the other kind of universes, because it has that realistic kind of angle. But this really? is, uh, Speedy wasn't on heroin. Well, Speedy was on heroin. No, I know <laughs> Speedy was on heroin, but <laughs> so that's an incorrect statement. Then. <laughs> that also doesn't exist. Kyle Rain- or got fucked up. <laughs> that does no, no. D- DC has done its fa- its fair share of um of what's more of um realistic kind of storylines, but generally, you know, Marvel is the more grounded kind of. You generally, know, that's an incorrect statement. Yeah. That's Marvel's. That's Marvel's. Yeah. That's Marvel's PR. I mean, and it, and it just was really, really, really strong at the end of the day. Like as I got through the rest of my as I got through the rest of my stack, um, I was like, there's no way I can't pick I can pick any other book other than this. You know, and and more, you know, the combination of Remender focusing on the character and Fowler and um, Moore both being present on the book, doing their best, some of the best stuff from Fowler I've ever seen. Like very non, I mean, he never appears in the in the costume in Fowler section. It's all Flash stuff, and it's all Talking Heads, and it's all drama. But it's done. The storytelling is really, really strong. It's cartooning, is what it yeah, is. Yeah, that's what it is. Yeah, exactly. So. Um, yeah, so I, I just really enjoyed it and just really wanted to, you know, kind of highlight it and make sure people are if you have if you have been curious about it or not sure about it, pick up this issue. This gives you a good idea of what they what Remender is doing with Venom. Um, you know, the action sequence in the beginning was what you would expect from Tony Moore. It was, and it's going to have implications on the future of the Venom character, I believe. Um, and then the the personal storyline was just you know quality you know comic storytelling as it is. But you know, but at the same time, like it's a good issue, and it, it definitely um, 
it shows sort of what it's capable of. But this was, I don't think this is really indicative of what the series has been so far. It's, that's not, and that is not a criticism, but, uh, it, you know, it, if you're the kind of person who likes all sorts of action, uh, there's more of it usually. Oh, yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, it not went, it, nearly it, it, as much navel gazing. And I, I'm not really using that in a negative term. Right. No, th- I mean, this was definitely higher on the drama side. I mean, admittedly, it was six pages of action. Um, but that gives you a taste of what the action is like, I think. So. Yeah, this is uh, it's actually one of those things that if you read this and you liked it and you never went and read Fear Agent, then you need to. Right. Because uh, a lot of these are the same kinds of things that, that themes and stuff that were coming up in, in Fear Agent, I thought that were handled well in there. It's not the same story exactly. It's not. No, it, like yeah, that. but you're right. I mean, thematically, in terms of what made. Because I think Heath Houston is a much different character than Flash Thompson. Um, yeah. You know, even though they have some similarities in terms of, you know, alcohol, uh, alcohol use or abuse or, you know, that sort of thing. Um, it, it, but it's. Uh, I, I see what you mean by that. It definitely, definitely parallels the drama. I just, I just think that there's that there's that f- familial tension which is which is present in both Fear Agent and this. And I think that if you look at the the very the button, the very last thing in this is the the phone call that Flash gets, and he's just yes, sir, sir, I understand. Yeah. And there's a black, a little tiny black panel. You know, I'll be right there. Like he's got. He's got all these things pulling at him, yep. and, and and you know stuff he doesn't always want to have to deal with, and you know part of it, it's just it's not necessarily just familial. That's most of it is, it's, but it's like a sense, it's a sense of duty. Yes, it's his duty because yeah. he's a soldier. Yeah, um, and I I really enjoyed that. I thought yeah, that was, that and I thought and I thought the, the parallel between sense of duty as a soldier and sense of duty as a son. I think mm-hmm. those are the, the you know I think they're very much similar themes in this particular uh, case with Flash and within the story. So yeah. Um, but yeah, I just thought it was really, really strong and just really a lot of fun. Um, and you know, it was just a qu- I don't know, fun if the right is the right word, but it was just a really <laughs> like I put it down. I'm like, damn, that's a good one. that's a good single issue comic book. Um, mm-hmm. But I also said damn when I read Uncanny X Force number twelve uh, because I, I remember pulling out the stops on this book. Um, and really, the only, and this is like the pick of the week this week was a matter of inches, you know, between this book, um, Venom, Uncanny X Force, Criminal, which we're going to talk a little bit as well. Um, all the books were really high quality. Um, and Uncanny X Force 12 continues on the Dark Angel saga where X Force is in the Age of Apocalypse universe and Remender drops a whole new uh, grouping of, of bad of, of villains for us to see that are all kind of very, you know, in that Age of Apocalypse kind of imagination um, uh, style of, of re, you know, kind of rethinking the characters. Um, and so that, and from a, as a fan service, as a Marvel thing, I got all giddy when I was reading that. But not to mention a very steamy scene between Psylocke and uh, Phantom X, which was awesome as well. So. The art's really hurt in this book. That was the only um, thing. That was the one thing that took it away from it. Yeah, I couldn't make it. Used it to be, yeah. used to be a really special book, and now it's just a very good book because yeah. the art is is really bring, bringing it down. I, I enjoyed it quite a bit. It is story wise, it's fantastic, but yeah. it's certainly not the wow. You have to read this book. Book that used to be. Yeah, well, that's and that's and that, yeah, that's the thing is that you know we've said it before, said it again. You know, Dean White continues to be the glue that holds it together, um, and I'm not a big fan of Mark Brooks, um, and, I, and I don't even think that this is. You know, some I don't think that some of Mark Brooks' best work or worst work. It just is Mark Brooks is what I expect from it. Um, but it's like counting the minutes until we can get Opeña back. Um, I think he comes back on fifteen. Or anyone, Rubik, yeah. anyone, you know, anyone, yeah. anyone before Brooks. It was yeah. before that. I mean, it was. It's a fun story, and yeah. it's a long delay after getting it every. Two yeah, weeks going back to monthly is like. Huh. <laughs> um, I think it was more than monthly. I think there was a long, I think it was a delay on it. Was there a delay on it? No, because yeah. it was biweekly all the way up until June. I thought right. Right, but then it's been, I think it was longer than four weeks, but okay. not that much longer, but still, it's just weird. I mean, that's why the art changes, because they double ship it, so. Yeah, yeah. 
But um, but yeah. So in the in the grouping in the in the villains grouping, we we got uh, White Cloak, which is just cloak and dagger, but he's white <laughs> instead of black, which is funny. Uh, Grim Chamber, which is a mix between the Thing and Chamber. <laughs> um, Iron Ghost, which is a mix of Ghost Rider and Iron Man. Um, zombie Sentry. <laughs> um, just blob. Cry, tears of blood. Uh, just blob, with, which I had to give credit for the blob because he has a tattoo on his stomach that says "Good Life," like Thug Life, and it's got a the drawing of the pig, and the pig is dissected into the parts of the pig. <laughs> um, and then there's a uh, uh, Beta Red, which is a variation on Mega Red, and um, Orange Hulk, which I thought was fun. like it was funny because yeah, that was funny. Yeah, that was like because they're all like because they're all plausible alternate dimension kind of versions of these characters. But you also know that there's a like Zombie Sentry and Orange Hulk. You Orange Hulk, you know that's Remender poking fun. You know, yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> so. Um, yeah, so this is this is a lot. Of, it was a lot of fun. I can't wait to see where. And then, oh, then it ends with the big reveal that the Wolverine of the Age of Apocalypse has become Apocalypse or something. He's donned yeah, Apocalypse's armor. Yeah, so um, and he killed his daughter. Yeah, or no, he killed Wolverine. He killed the daughter. The daughter killed the daughter. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oops. Um, yep. So Criminal, the last of the innocent number two. I thought kept the high level. The first issue kept. This was, as Ron said before, a really go- good week of books. Yeah, there's a lot of really good books. And this is one of them. Um, in the last issue, we had um, Ron, uh, not Ron, <laughs> Riley Richards from the city <laughs> going back to his hometown, deciding to kill his wife. She's a harpy who's having an affair, and he's got a super powerful, super powerful rich father. And in this issue, he decides he's going to do it, and he actually enacts the plan to kill his wife. We continue to get the really good flashbacks done in the Archie style that sort of poke fun at the whole Wortham thing, and then. And also Archie itself, kind of, because the dynamics are there, and uh, just fantastic work all around. From, from this is, I think, so far, this is the best criminal story. This is, yeah, hands down. I mean, hands down, this is going to end up being the best criminal story. This is fantastic because it's like it, it actually it, more so than the other than the recent storylines. This remi- this reminds me of the first storyline. Yep. Not in terms of what's happening or whatever, but in terms of like we got one character. He's just a guy. You know, and he's he's plotting he's plotting and killing his wife to you know to you know because she he can't stand her but he doesn't want to lose the money he admits he likes being rich like it was very honest and it was very you know like it, it, and very gritty um, and I just love the 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 layering of the Archie style uh, flashback artwork which is hysterical because it's like whenever you draw naughty things in that simple kind of style it's funny so it's a simple joke but it's funny. I mean, even even the non naughty yeah. stuff like the yeah. whole one page detention story was actually like a nice full story. That was a, yeah, that was actually really good. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, Riley's um, gals. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, even that story that I called her did you call her a slut? Yeah, a slutty bitch. Which yeah. which in that sort of smacks you in the face when you're in that style. But uh, yeah. man, I do love I, this character do I, and the plot. And then. Man, do I hate that Riley fucking Richards. <laughs> <laughs> And I keep forgetting it takes place in the 80s, but then I keep noticing his hair. And I was like, oh, yeah, this is the 80s. Yeah. <laughs> He's got that 80s sort of not almost a mullet hair, but not yeah, quite. Yeah, a little bit, yeah. <laughs> what, the friend's hair or Riley's hair? Oh, Riley. yeah, I see. Yeah, yeah, I see. I just saw a panel with the back of his head. He does. He's got, like, the 80s Peter Parker hair. Yeah, yes, yes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. He looks kind of like 80s Peter Parker. He does, actually, yeah. Um, no, but this is – it's it's great. I mean, it's 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 really, like, um, I I – I kind of don't want it to ever end because it's so it's so good, but I also want to see the story move along. Um, and it ends it's, with the, ends with the cliffhanger where he you know he's gonna stab his wife's eyes out with an ice pick. Ugh. Yeah, Ugh. I know. oh god, crazy. But um, yeah, no, it's just it's great. It's just so good. Jo- I mean, Josh, are you picking it up or? Yeah, yeah, uh, right. I like it. Yeah. I don't think it's the greatest thing ever. I, I like the heist stories a lot more, just personally. Oh, yeah? But uh, yeah, it's good. 
Right. Interesting. I'm assuming you like Detective Comics 880 a lot. Creepiest page turn of the year, I think you could give to this one. Uh, I don't want to go into the shower anymore, ever. <laughs> this is the second to last issue of the run from Snyder and Jock and Francisco Francovia. And in this issue, the Joker's escaped and he's coming after Gordon's ex-wife. And Gordon does not get there in time. Yeah, it's 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 fairly grisly. It's one of those things. It's nice because you got to see how the whole thing got set up from from jump, sort of what what the story was. And and you know Scott was a, a prose writer before he did this, and and you kind of see the way that he set up his big story. It reads more like a, a big book than a, than a bunch of sort of single issues, which which is a good thing for me. I like that. Um, <clears throat> and uh, yeah, it was fun. I mean, I like I kind of at this point like it's what I expected, you know, but not not in a bad way. Like that sounds that sounds lame if I just say it's oh it's what I expected. But uh, well, Jock's Joker is really f- fucking terrifying and creepy. Yeah, that he's got some demons in his pen is what I'm saying. <laughs> and and uh, I mean the cover is is spectacular uh, from the big sort of round open eyes you know with the bat symbol in them to the just scary the entire thing is scary. Um, yes, very good issue. That's that's what I have to say about. it. <laughs> And there's a big twist at the end where you find out, you know, sort of that gets you to the point of the next issue where, oh shit, now yeah. it's going to get really. Well, which know. they set up last time, which is sort of you see the, the machinations of everything that's going on. I really liked, I really liked the idea that um, basically the Joker didn't do it, and they sort of hammered it in over and over again because you have to, you have to realize what a big deal that is when there's evil shit going down, and it is not the Joker. Right. That's that's never done. You know, and he's kind and of also, proud. Like he's yeah. proud of it. And also the fact that he recognized right off the bat that it was Robin under the, under the suit and not, not Bruce. Yeah, I like that too. He's smart. Uh, yeah. I like what with, the- with, with, with uh, you know, there was like that line where uh, Gordon said something like, you know, he knows. Like, how does he know? And it's like, he always knows. And I realized that one of the secrets of these kind of books is that you, you don't have to explain how he knows because that would take too much time and it wouldn't matter. Yep. And and the horror is in the fact that you don't know how he knows. He just always does, and that's the scary part. This is a horror does Go- story. Does Gordon know? What do you mean? I get the feeling oh. now that Gordon knows that who Batman I, is. Uh, I, he must. I don't. That wasn't what I was talking about. But no, I know. Um, but I, I was I was turning. I was using your phrase to ask a different question. Yeah. He. Uh, I feel like he does in this issue. He. I guess he hasn't really acted like it though. He talks. I feel to like him, most people seem to know. In that you know what scene I mean? where, they were there, where his wife's in the bed in, the, in, in Dick's private hospital, which was weird. Yeah. Um, he, talk, he sort of talks to Dick like, like he is Batman. Yeah. Well, do you find that in comics generally they act like, like, like Jim knows who Bruce is? I, well, that was I the t- intimation in Dark Knight Returns, and I think some writers have played up the fact that he knows but just sort of will, either willfully ignores it or just doesn't, never uh-huh. brings it up. I think uh-huh. you have to. Otherwise, Jim's an idiot. Right. <laughs> I mean, it is. Like, he's yeah. too smart. She's like the Joker. The Joker's too smart. He knows. He knows Batman better than anybody. Yeah. yeah no, it's not well, it's plausible. I mean, it's plausible de- deniability to a certain degree. Yeah. You know, like yeah. Yeah, yes, he knows, oh, yeah. but he can't officially know. You know. I think Gordon knows and just not, either just never brings it up. Yeah. You know, it's sort of, it's sort of like I know you, I know this thing, but it's I just can't I can't face it or I can't deal with it. If I pretend to not deal with it, then it's then it's not real, kind of thing. He's got to know though. He he's too good of a cop to not. Yeah. Hey, Bruce uh, has all his sons that keep showing up as new Robins. <laughs> <laughs> Where does he get these wards? <laughs> well, he's, he's, he adopts them now in the, in the, in the modern you, age. There's no war wards. Yeah, I know. Can you imagine the, the tabloid headlines? 
<laughs> I mean, he'd be worse than Michael Jackson at this point. Millionaire Playboy gets a new ward. Another <laughs> new Wayne boy. <laughs> new Wayne. Who's Wayne's new boy? Toy. He would be like every bad monologue ever. Yep. <laughs> all be about Bruce Wayne. He's got another son there, see. <laughs> <laughs> That was either one of the frog ad executives from Up at Steak Manhattan or like a drunk Jerry Seinfeld. <laughs> either one. Pick your, take your pick. I love the frog ad executives. <laughs> <laughs> or people who don't want to stink. Hello, Gil. Hello, Will. Hello, Phil. <laughs> It's a uh, six-year-old movie. I might be on a um, Captain America hot. My pick of the week is Captain America Bucky number 620. It was good. It was really it was good. every cap book I've ever wanted. I've wanted this book my whole life. A World War II era cap and Bucky book drawn by Chris Somney. Ugh. And, uh, some, the art is some of the – I mean, Somney and uh, colored by Betty Breitweiser. Yes. She's fucking great I team. Mean, great team. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I mean, I, I thought the same thing. I was just like, this is – and and I've heard the I've heard the tale a lot of times that uh, you know oh well I've read lots of Captain America in World War Two you know I'm not sick of it at all yet not even close and this is like I don't I don't think I've read Bucky's origin retold in a long time this well you know like I can't complain in the way that it was done what a what a showing from from uh, Somni and Brightweiser just they they it. almost put every other art team to shame yeah the amount I mean it's, of fu- it's detail it's, in every panel well it's funny I mean, because because looking at it like you look at the cover. And honestly, it's not a very good cover. I mean, no, it's, 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 an Ed McGin- it's, an, it's an Ed McGinnis cover that I don't really like the composition of the layout or anything like that. The logo is eh, whatever. But then you open it and you get the title page and you get, okay, slightly better. Is that Butch Geis or, or yeah, it looks like Butch like anyway. Yeah, it looks like a Butch Geis. Okay, cool. Captain America, Bucky, that looks good. Then you turn the page, you start reading Sami. Sami blows both of those guys away just yep. completely. Um, you know, oh, man, it's great. So yeah, if you if you saw the movie, you haven't read a cat book. This is basically Bucky's origin in, in World War II. So you can start here. This is the first issue, even though it's number six twenty, and go from there. I think this is a World War II book, correct? So this will yep. be where it yeah. goes forward. Yeah. Um, I, I I just I like this version of the origin a lot more than the movie version. Like yes. I think there's so much more to it that because in the movie. Uh, you know, Cap is is the same age. In fact, Buck he sort of looks up to Bucky. Yep. And so you don't get that paternal relationship that that comes about in this story, yeah. which is so nice. There are a lot of punches in this book. There's <laughs> yeah, lots of there's punches. a lot of pu- a lot of fight. Love, there's if, a lot of fighting in 1939. If you, if you just look through it, like the the variance in panel composition on each page makes it so refreshing to read. Yeah, just each page is sort of different than or each panel is sort of different than the one before it it's great storytelling but like it's just exciting to look at it's dynamic in that way and and i mean and the whole the whole idea i mean the, you know we've heard stories in world war ii of you know underage guys joining up and lying about their age and stuff like that like i like that it taps in on that and the fact that the army knows that bucky is you know not even 16 yet and you know and yet they see the potential in him and and the pairing of of you know of him to captain america i mean i like like i agree with you i like this as an origin um and and just and it goes back to you know some of some of the some of the angles and stuff that Somni took with some of these panels were like the, yeah. a lot there's a lot of from below or above you know what I mean like oh. a, yeah, I, he yeah. he gives uh, Steve like that that aura of mystery yep you know because he you know he's always being looked at from from Bucky's angle which is way down and yep. his face is kind of in shadow and it's just a different perspective than we normally see him yeah and we only we only saw Captain America in this issue in the newsreel. 
Yeah, no, Steve. Yeah, well, Steve's in you know his uniform. I mean, he's not in costume. You know, so like, and when he when Bucky does meet Cap, you made a good point. I think there's only like two panels where he's in full light. Mm-hmm. Everything else, there's a shadow on his face, or shat, you know, like he, you know, just that somni playing with the shadows type thing. Um, yeah, it was great. Um, cool. Well, congratulations, Connor. I'm glad you got the Captain America book you've always wanted. Yes, I did. <laughs> I'm pretty happy about it. So um, it is very good. Uh, so I've heard nothing but good things about the Cape from Joe Hill and IDW. The, that one shot that got nominated for an Eisner and stuff like that. Now I haven't read that yet, but on a lark, I decided to pick up the the first issue of this miniseries that that came out this Wednesday. Um, did you guys pick it up or check it out or? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, what did you Which think? I re- I had read the thing before and and I liked it. It was uh, I felt like a, like a little sort of story I'd read before. Uh, you know, well done, definitely. Yeah. About a guy who's basically just sort of a a, a loser. And he's an asshole, and he you know sits around, doesn't do anything with his life, has a good girlfriend, treats her like shit. She dumps him, and he gets superpowers, and then he goes and uh, drops her from very far up. Yeah. Because he's just worthless. I mean, like, oh, because he didn't know what he's doing and screwed up. Yeah, yeah. I I know where this, where the writer was from, and I know a lot of people like this. Yeah, it's like that's is that is a New England stereotype that I've met a lot of, and and so that guy was instantly very very real to me. Right. Um. So I liked that a lot. Uh. But he's an awful person, and so it's like it's not like a fun thing to read, but it's really well done. What was interesting is that uh, he didn't uh, Joe Hill didn't script this one. No, he didn't. He was a creative consultant. Couldn't yeah. tell you the difference though. Like it yeah. was still the the voice was spot on. Yeah. Uh, really strange scene with a bear. Yes, uh, that was much more imaginative <laughs> than it needed to be in a very good way. Yeah, <laughs> I mean he could have just done one thing. We know he went, dude went and got a bear, dropped it on the cops' cars, and and like it wasn't like that's over now. Yeah, there was still some mauling to be done. Yeah, and he's <laughs> he's like hold still, you fat shit, you know, <laughs> yelling at the bear. I was like, oh, that is main white trash right there. That's great. Yeah, it was very much um, like because I hadn't read the first one shot. It's on my list of things to read. So I picked it up. I, someone told me the story, so I knew what the premise was. But I didn't know how much of a jerk this guy was. And, oh, yeah. And, and then it's not like Ant-Man. It's yeah. not that. No, no. It's not a cat. No, it's it's a believable jerk. That's the thing. Yeah. That's a scary thing. Like, you know this guy. Yeah. It's low life. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it was good. And I actually – I found myself – I really enjoyed Zach Howard's art on it as well. Oh, totally. It's, yeah. it's perfect for it. It's, yeah. it's very nice. It's a yeah. good book. Yeah, good book. So it's a nice little miniseries if you're looking for some – you know, it's another one of those modern takes on her- you know, superhero dumb. You know what I mean? Like normal guy gets powers. What does he do with them? But in a bit of a darker kind of turn. Um, I did like I did like the, the moment he, he says fuck it and puts on the cape and like it's still drawn in a glamorous like – you know, super, you know, I'm superhero y kind of thing, but he's doing something awful with it. You know, I so, like that it's a yeah. short cape. It's from his youth. Yeah, yeah. It's like it's like a it's a blanket, really. It's like, <laughs> looks like one of the Wonder Twins. Yeah, totally. Yeah, but it was good. It was enjoyable. So <laughs> cool. So um, yeah, so I want to remind everybody to check out uh, Graphically. Uh, iFanboy is a member of the Graphically family, and uh, Graphically's got digital comics for you. Uh, over thirty five hundred comics. Uh, from Marvel, Top Cow, Boom, IDW, tons of other great publishers, um, and including uh, uh, Graphically has Cowboys and Aliens. The movie came out this weekend. Um, if you're curious about the comic that inspired the movie, head over to Graphically. You can read Cowboys and Aliens as well as there's a whole bunch of extras associated with the comic. There's the, the movie trailers and their character bios and sketches and, and character designs and things like that. It's a really – you get a lot of bang for your buck when you pick up uh, Cowboys and Aliens on Graphically. And if you have a Nook Color uh, from Barnes & Noble, you can get it there as well. And um, there's a bunch of other cool 
other extras that are associated with the Nook as well. Um, but if you don't have a Nook, you can pick up Graphically on the web at graphically.com or on your Android device, uh, phone or tablet, or the iPhone or the iPad, um, and all the comics are there, all there for your enjoyment. Um, be sure to follow Graphically on Twitter, twitter.com slash graphically, and on Facebook at facebook.com slash graphically, and go to graphically.com for all your digital comics needs. All right. So X-Men Schism number two. Uh, the, the, they double shipped this month. Uh, first issue came out two weeks ago. Uh, this continued the momentum of the Jason Aaron's X-Men event. And while I loved what happened in the issue and I loved the story stuff, um, Frank Cho fell a little short for me. You know, he took, the slim, no, he took the slim moniker to heart with this one. Uh, he, yeah. He, yeah, really like just drew him to be, look like a wuss. Which pissed me Cyclops. off. Cyclops, yeah. yeah. He looked, he looked he was, kind of like a nerdlinger. He was the, he was the, he was the 80-pound weekly. The, the, prob, the problem with this issue was that, with Cho's art at least, was that there are some points where it's like, yes, that's Frank Cho. Like when he drew the, the Fifth Element aliens... Mm-hmm. <laughs> like that, they, those look great. That was like it was, you know, imaginative. It was really cool. Um, you know, there was a couple of, you know, the robots, the Sentinels look great. Um, actually, kind of liked his Wolverine. You know, like he does that really detailed face kind of stuff. But as soon as I saw Cyclops, as soon as I saw Quentin Quire, I was like, oh, just. And then, then there were some panels, and there were some some uh, face. Like you, it just looked like he just was like rushing through it. Or, or took the lazy way out, you know, like quickly, quickly sketched a face, um, and it just didn't match the the face, you know, in the panel before it or after it. Like there's one when Cyclops is arguing with Wolverine early on. There's one look that Wolverine gives that is just way overly cartoony than the the look of Wolverine below it. Um, so that that was my only frustration with it. But that said, I loved, love, love the uh, moment when the X Men roll when uh, Cyclops sends the delegation to the museum opening. Um, and Wolverine's reaction that that's a show of force and it's like Magneto you know basically Cyclops wants to show that the X-Men are, are, are there and public and present and so you got Magneto and Colossus and Namor and Iceman and, and Emma Frost and you know kind of very 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 akin to when they first moved to San Francisco that, that same scene um, and then the ending with the with the, Hell, the Hellfire Club masks coming back which is great um, I mean again it's tip, dipping into the X-Men past and, and doing it in a way that's you know not now and modern um, in a way that's not too like you know swimming in retroness. Um, so yeah, I mean it was great. Just the art fell short for me. So. There were pages of art that were very good though. Like the the, the page where the, yeah, the, the, little, the, the little girl rips the alien apart. I was like, that's a good comic book page. Yeah, yeah, that's it. But then you get to another page like, oh, so, yeah. yeah, he's 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 quite slim. He looks like Christian Bale in The Machinist. Ugh, so <laughs> I don't know. I forget who's the next star. I think it might be Akuna next. You think so? Yeah, and then four is I think Alan Davis, which I can't wait for. Oh yeah, next issue looks like it's Akuna. So you know what's going to happen is amongst these issues, none of them will ever look the same. Yeah, Yeah. that's the problem. Because they're going to go back to the seventies with Alan Davis. Yeah, yeah. Early eighties, feathered hair, big shoulder pads. Hey, it's okay. It's it's, he gets a pass always. That's a nice head of hair on you. Uh, Fables number 107. This one was drawn by Terry Moore. I let Ron know. I was curious if you would pick it up, if that would be enough to push you over. I'm guessing not. No, no. I flipped through it at the store. It looked nice. I didn't think it, was, I didn't think it actually looked that good. Oh, really? <laughs> Something about it. <laughs> I, I don't know. I was expecting more. It was a lot of, like, profile shots and he- like I don't know it didn't I don't I don't know if it took advantage of Terry Moore as much as I would have wanted it to it yeah. just looked a little raw I'm not sure what that's what that's about um I also didn't really love the story all that much either so so there was that there you go. so this is not a huge recommendation is what I'm saying <laughs> so what you're saying is don't run out and buy it like it, it might be interesting I guess at the end it's kind of an interesting concept but I, I didn't love it like it I don't know it, 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 it 
was right between like serious and funny, and I, I don't think it towed the line very well, yeah. which it usually does. You know, I'm, I'm going to drop the book. Are you going to drop, drop it? No, I said it's not like a oh, book. Oh, <laughs> so did I. I was like, wow. You're all <laughs> on one of the words. I'm going to drop no. it. No. <laughs> well, that's a ringing endorsement from Josh. I'll give a ringing endorsement <laughs> this week's DC Retroactive books. Green Lantern and Justice League, which were fan-fucking-tastic. awesome were they? How great were I love these retroactive books. I love them. I really, this is, this is a genius move. I was, I was weary of these books, but these books are fantastic, especially the Justice League book. Green Lantern yes. was good, but well, Green, Green Lantern, big, I, Well, Green Lantern was good because it was written by Danny O'Neill with art by Mike Grell, and yes. it was Mike Grell doing a mix of his style and also trying to ape a little bit of the Neil Adams, you know, kind of... Uh, uh, and Mike Grohl came out of that Neil Adams run, so th- it's not too much of a leap. Um, but it, that it was, was nice to see him draw on Green Arrow again. He was the yes. guy behind that Green Arrow ver- not Vertigo book that was in the age before Vertigo existed, which yeah. would have been a Vertigo. Book. But you love um, that. You love that run. That's the one with one the, the great hook, runs with the hood. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Everybody loves that run. Yeah. No, but yeah. I remember Connor especially saying he liked it. So. Yeah. Um, yeah. So the Green Lantern was good, but the Justice League, written by Carrie Bates. Oh, oh. <laughs> so good. It was great. It, this this tied into a specific issue of Justice League. If you if you've read the old books or if you listen to Tom versus Justice League, you'll know <laughs> that there was Earth on Earth Prime exists us, and occasionally the Flash would end up on Earth Prime and hang out with the DC creators who drew his comics. <laughs> and in this issue, uh, 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 errant Zeta Beam shoots Adams uh, <laughs> into Earth Prime, where they, they think I he's t- crazy because he thinks he's a car- he's a superhero, and so. Uh, they just got to rescue him in in Earth Prime. They have to go to get Jules Schwartz's help because um, they, he knows Barry Allen from from his many tri- trips to the Earth Prime. It was just it was insane. It was great. Awesome. My favorite moment was when they're on Earth Prime and Barry re- realizes he goes, "The world's most foremost authority on Adam Strange happens to live right here on Earth Prime." And then they go to Rockefeller Plaza in New York City and they go meet Julie Schwartz. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, it was great. Then take the, and then Julie Schwartz has to convince Adam Strange that he's actually a super. He's actually from you know the comics from another Earth. Oh, and, and what what was the moment when they were trying to figure out how they're going to do it? And Julie Schwartz goes to the Flash. It's like, well, you can run up to the Catskills and get a cabin, which is yeah. what happened in the Flash. Yes. <laughs> oh, it was great. <laughs> <laughs> You had me at Aaron Zeta Beam, so. <laughs> the only weird thing was they colored, whoever colored it colored Barry's hair as Wally. Yeah, yep. Which was, which was weird, but. Um, oh, red. You know what an editor does? Um, so, and then there's a backup story, which was one of the old Justice Leagues where, where Carrie Bates was a villain when he went crazy. Yep. <laughs> and fought them as a villain with a goatee and uh, <laughs> 70s hair. It was awesome. It's great. It's really this, good. My, my this is the value of the week. This is the best value for your yeah. buck. My only complaint about the Justice League one versus the Green Lantern one was the Green Lantern one had Mike Grell on art, and whereas the art on Just on Justice League America was guys now trying to ape that style, but with a modern color. You know what I mean? So like, I sells pretty old. Yeah, no, I know, but but the thing was that you, I could tell that this was done now. Whereas yeah. if you handed me this Green Lantern and told me that this was an issue from the seventies, I would have believed it. You know, they should have colored these in the old style too. Yep. I think now Agreed. that I think about it. Um, so. Oh, the, that's the problem with the seventies. As, as they get further on, if you look at the solicits, it's actually the creative teams from the, you know because yeah. they they're actually still alive and able to work, whereas yeah. these guys probably not. But, yeah. yeah. So. Um, God, this was fantastic. What are you paying? Fifteen dollars a page now? What is that? So much fun. <laughs> they got Carrie Bates for his old page rate. Fifteen yeah. <laughs> dollars a page now, yeah. Carrie. Yeah. Oh, it's a raise. <laughs> and then they doubled it. They'll give you fifty. <laughs> um, good so stuff. And I, but yeah, I mean, there was nothing that was not fun about the Justice League issue. Yeah. 
Now, you may remember back a couple of conventions ago, I couldn't tell you which one anymore, there was a shot of uh, Invincible, and he was, a, uh, he was a black man. Yeah. You remember that? Yep. I think we are seeing what the first step back. Because it's a funny joke about social context. No, uh, that was at WonderCon. <laughs> yep. Okay. And that, uh, it said 2012 underneath it, right? Uh, Invincible 81 th- appears to be the first step towards that uh, change. Because at the end of this one, you get the impression that, uh, that Mark is not so into it anymore after coming back from space. He hasn't and been into it. I mean, even, I, haven't, I haven't read the last trade that's been sitting on my shelf, which is the war. But even before that, he's always he's wanted to stop. He's, yeah, he's, he's been, been a little mopey. Yeah. His girlfriend's all fat now, and... Uh, oh, uh, the worst. <laughs> um, no, but it was like a, it was like one of those in between issues. But I, I thought it was a nice. Uh, so is, is the new best look at the hangout through Spider Man? <laughs> Probably. <laughs> I knowing those two creators, I don't think so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, but it was good. Great. I, I saw you guys. Uh, we highlighted in the best of the covers on the site. There was a great cover. Great, great cover. Yeah. yeah. Did anyone yeah. else read Secret Avengers fifteen? I did. Someone was must it, have. Was it a little weird? It was a little well. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. I thought about it. It was a little weird. I, I'm gonna say. I'm gonna say. I actually. <laughs> I actually enjoyed it. I did not. Is, is this isn't. I didn't have the same violent reaction I had to Secret Avengers 13. Um, unfortunately, like as a story on its own, it, it was. It was good. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, it doesn't matter, and that's the it, problem with this title. It, it. It told some. I mean, the whole thing is that there's a website out there that that says Cap's not really dead. Bucket yeah. Cap. You know, because yes. it's in the midst of the war, and they've they posted their... This is a sort of gawker-like website that says, Cap's not really dead. We have proof. And so Natasha shows up at their office, either looking for the proof or looking to kick some ass. And yeah. it's basically an entire issue of her talking with the editors of the website. About whether or not they should run things or not. Like, like it was very... You know, but that thing, it wasn't, it wasn't poorly written. There were some written. interesting points brought yeah. up, like... You guys never die, so why do you get upset? Yeah, he's just gonna be back. Yeah, and it's like, well, yeah, it's not, you know. But but then she says, well, do you think it, do you think it doesn't hurt to die even if we do come back? And, yeah, which you know. there was some inter- there was some interesting discussion around the deaths and being a hero and 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 living in this universe and all that sort of stuff. And they and it was I thought it was really cool that they pointed out they showed Hawkeye, they showed Daredevil, they showed Adam Warlock, they showed Colossus. You know, like it was it was spanning across the you know the entire Marvel universe. Um, but ultimately, where this fits in Fear Itself, or when Black Widow has the time to go off and go do this, or how this fits in, like, Secret Avengers, I've said from the get-go, has been aimless. Secret Avengers as a title has been, like, it started off, it had potential, it was cool, it was a different team, and all stuff like that, and I think that it's just been editorially a fumble from the well, get-go. Well, we start, we start an even newer direction next month, yeah. so there yeah. you go. Yeah. With uh, Steve's covert action team, Whitmer Warren Ellis. Um, yeah. Isn't next issue drawn by McKelvey? It is, it is, yeah. That, well, here's my question about that, because you see the cover on the last page. Do we get some sort of clarity in the whole Steve situation? Because he shows up here and in Schism in his in his uh, Captain yep. Steve uniform. Yeah. And he's in next week's cover. I mean, next week's cover and Schism in his Captain Steve uniform, and yet he's running around as Cap now. I don't know. It's, it's one of those weird event time moments where he hasn't put the costume on yet, you know, that sort of thing. So. Listen, at this point, does fear itself even count? Oh. Yeah, that's the problem. That's the problem. So, nope. No, it's not a problem. It's just fine. I don't have to read it. Uh, Cobra number three, I caught up. I w- I'd fallen behind on these, on these Cobra books. And, and this, this is by the original sort of Mike Costa and Antonio Fuso. Um, I think that's the right first name. Yep. It's, uh, 
basically, uh, I don't remember which one it is, Tomax or Zaymot, whichever one isn't dead. One's dead. I don't remember who. I agree. Exactly. They're, 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 you know, it's hard. One's got a scar. I don't know. How will they finish uh, their sentences now? Exactly. They won't know how to. He'll just be Hello? walking around saying half sentences. <laughs> yes, I'd like one. Excuse me, sir. I'm sorry. I've never had to do this before. I've never had to finish a whole sentence. <laughs> Anyway, they put him in prison. It's a really interesting story about how he uses his 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 uh, connections and power and all these things to sort of break out of the prison. And uh, it's not sort of what you expect. And I, I really like that. The, the, the issues so far have all been uh, a look at each of the people who is sort of vying to be the new Cobra commander. And they all start with like, I can never be a Cobra commander. Uh, and I really, I really like it. it's. It's been actually, it's pretty good. And it's you know all the stuff that was good about GI Joe Cobra, but n- without that newness, I guess to it, that would be the thing. Yeah, I, I, this series is good. It's definitely the best of the of the, all the series sure. that are out. And this is the same team they were good before. But I just wonder if the whole thrill is gone. Is the, the, the magic on? I mean, when when did, when did the first thing happen? It was like years ago, wasn't it? Now it's been well, a long it's, it's time. Not so much that. It's just that they all in, in anticipation of this uh, relaunch, they sort of ended their stories. Yeah, yeah. So now we're starting again. It's like, well, you just could have ended everything, and now we're back, in, you know, with the same characters, the same creative teams, and I don't know. I, I I like this book particularly, but I don't look forward to them as much as I did before. Yeah, I like the Serpentor issue a lot too. Yeah. <laughs> Serpentor. It's like a man. <laughs> he doesn't do that. They re- I gotta say they they really reinvented Serpentor in a way that doesn't make him completely d- douchey. Yeah, right. but you could say this like a man once. I wouldn't say he was douchey. Once he was not. I would never, well, I would never describe Serpentor as douchey. Was he had a pretty he had a pretty doofy outfit. Yeah, well, doofy I'll say <laughs> ridiculous for right, half. So no, ridiculous. Okay, that's yeah, fine. But like, yeah. I, okay, I probably shouldn't have said douchey. But <laughs> the a point being, <laughs> Serpentor. <laughs> He popped his collar. Yeah, kind of yes, actually. Didn't his, didn't his cape have a big collar on it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's a pencil in the marina. He's L. Ron Hubbard as a snake man. <laughs> yeah, basically. When that is, and when that is less ridiculous than yeah. the genetic combination of Genghis Khan, <laughs> Hitler, Hitler. Caesar. Is it was it Hitler? Is Hitler one of them? No. I think so was Hitler, they wouldn't have put Hitler on the. They would have. It was the eighties. Yeah, you never know. <laughs> One of them had an underwater tomb, which doesn't make any damn sense to me either. It was Aquaman. It was Aquaman. He was we're gonna one fi- part Aquaman. We're gonna find out here. Here we go. So um where is he? <laughs> in the cartoon. So what? so what? um Serpentor first appeared in the five-part episodes Arise, Serpentor Arise. Okay, so cloning research by Dr. Mindbender from the DNA extracted from the unearthed remains of Julius Caesar, Napoleon Bonaparte, Attila the Hun, Philip II of Macedon, and his son Alexander the Great, Ivan the Terrible, Vlad the Impaler, Hannibal, Genghis Khan, and Rasputin. Nice. And then in and then in the I love Wikipedia. In the animated continuity, Sun Tzu's DNA, Sun Tzu's DNA was also intended, but the attempt to get his DNA was thwarted by Sergeant Slaughter, whose whose DNA was then used as a substitute. I forgot about that. So Sir Frenter has a little bit of Sergeant Slaughter <laughs> in the cartoon. <laughs> in the cartoon, right? The comics are where it was at. Remember that? Remember when he sat around the fire telling the uh, Judd Knox how he invented pizza? <laughs> He was, in, he, was in, he was in Rome and he invented pizza sitting around the fire. They had some bread and some tomatoes and some cheese and they oh, cooked it. God, that's great. Oh, whenever, whenever this show ends up talking about the G.I. Joe animated series, only good can come of it. <laughs> so in the comic, it wasn't Sergeant Slaughter's DNA. It was Storm Shadows that was used to create him. Yes, I yeah, remember that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And they didn't get – and Sun Tzu, lack of DNA made him unstable. Yep, yep. Yeah. Well, if you don't add that, that's everything. It's like tomato paste. 
I love it. So, so a later episode reveals that Serpentor can assume the facial features of those whose DNA is included in his genetic composition. What? In addition, a few more a few more donors in his creation are revealed: a Viking warrior known as Ulik the Batterer and reptilian king Takasha from Indian mythology. Oh man, it's, that, you, you, they, that, don't, they don't do that anymore. Seriously, it's great. That may have been the writing staff going too far. Yeah. What about, what about the Batterer? Let's put him in there. <laughs> That's a good idea, Bill. Could you imagine if that. they put Hitler? Oh, <laughs> there's no way you can do all. You put Vlad the Impaler, but Rasputin, Rasputin is the closest they could get. That was at least. Well, the, yeah. Genghis Khan is Ivan the Terrible. Well, no, no, but but the thing was is that Genghis Khan, Ivan the Terrible, those were all hundreds of years ago. Right. Whereas Rasputin, at least, was still in the 1900s. Yeah. Like true. that was that was just what 60 years before the cartoon came out. There, there's some people who might have known Rasputin still alive at that point. <laughs> and the I only reason, that. and the only reason why you can do Rasputin and not Stalin is because Rasputin was just crazy and magic. Yeah. Right. You know, and as opposed be killed. as opposed to genocidal. <laughs> <laughs> that's and that's the key. Yeah. Anybody who committed a modern genocide, you can't do. You really just can't do it. You can't. <laughs> <laughs> like. Like whoever was the head of the the Tootsies, you can't do him. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> anyway, so all right, so those are the books that came out this week. We enjoyed. Them. I'm guessing. I'm guessing in 1984, the guy who knew Rasputin wasn't watching GI Joe. <laughs> Maybe he wasn't like, an old folks home and it was on the TV. Yeah. Or like, and he was like, "This is ridiculous." <laughs> <laughs> like, but for way different reasons than everybody else. <laughs> Rasputin wasn't anything like that. Gregory used to love to sing. Oh, God. He so, hated pizza. Go to ifanboy.com slash comics. All the comics are listed there. You can do your pull list. You can come back and rate your books and review them and make your pick of the week. And uh, Connor, why don't you run down this week's top five pick of the weeks? What about Edia Means DNA? <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, you can't do it. You can't. Yeah. Writer's pitching that. Like, nah. What about, uh, oh, oh, the, the Cambodian guy? He was probably still alive, though, at that point. Pol Pot? Pol Pot. Yeah. <laughs> no, you can't do Pol Pot. <laughs> Can't do, you can't do uh, the Taylor guy. Oh God! You can't do Osama bin Laden. Oh man! You can't do Mugabe. Uh, anyway. uh, Ceausescu. <laughs> Jesus Christ! <laughs> Oof. All right, fair enough. But that list. All right, the user reviews. Top five picks of the week from made by you, the users. You go to ifanboy.com, the comics page. You make your pull list. You can rate and review your books, and you can pick your pick of the week. And this is what you said: <laughs> number five, Uncanny X Force. Number twelve was two percent of the pick of the week. Number four. Was Venom number five at five percent of the pick of the week, which was the iFanboy pick of the week. Number three was Captain America and Bucky. Number six twenty was seven percent. Two was Criminal: The Last of the Innocent. Number two with eleven percent. And number one, by a very authoritative margin, Detective Comics eight eighty with sixty four percent of the pick of the week. That's Those impressive. are all good books, though. They're all great yes. books, yeah. But impressive it's a good show. Week. Yeah, very good week. And a lot of books, but uh, good ones. And these percentages were at the time of recording, so if you come to ifanboy.com, they might be slightly different. But um, So on to the user reviews. Our first review comes from Judgmental Steve, who <laughs> <Perfect>. reviewed... <laughs> who reviewed... We've been getting some good usernames on the site. Uh, um, uh, <laughs> who reviewed, He's actually... He's actually a fifth of a percent of Serpentor. <laughs> Judgmental Steve. Those pants do not work on you. <laughs> 
Stuff Steve does all the time. So, Judgmental Steve reviewed Secret Warriors number 28, and he gave the story a 5 out of 5 and the art a 4 out of 5. Judgmental Steve says, Secret Warriors has been a fascinating series to follow. It's deeply rooted in continuity, making it a challenge for, for even Marvel Comics veterans, and the espionage story was difficult to follow from month to month, between all the plot twists and backstories and betrayals. However, for those of us who stuck with it, it was an awesome ride from start to finish. With issue 28, that finish has come. The story of Nick Fury and his Caterpillars is complete, and the future of these characters is laid out before us. At the end of it, Jonathan Hickman hammers in the most important point of the series. Nick Fury is the man, and Marvel Universe is lucky to have him protecting the free world for the past 50 years. Hickman's work is a spot-on conclusion to a great series, and Alessandro Vitti's art has, has not only improved since he began drawing way back in issue 7. If you're looking for a series with great espionage, artwork, and storytelling, then I highly recommend you pick this series up. The pick league percentage was 0.9. Point nine, so there you go. Close enough. Um, close. And uh, this was the last issue of Secret Warriors. That series comes to an end, and I dropped it after the first couple issues because I didn't like the art, but I'm definitely probably going to pick it up either digitally or in trade paperback. I, I made it longer than you. I think I made it a year, but I just yeah. didn't care about anyone but Nick Fury yeah. in the book. I didn't care about any of, the super, any of his caterpillars, I guess you, they're calling them, or any of those people. I liked he wrote, Hickman wrote, writes a great Nick Fury and that yep. was always the best part of the book and but the other characters I, I literally could not have cared less about so yeah. I dropped it but, yeah, uh, but I, I want to read it I also I might go back and look at it too because I hear nothing but good things about yeah, it yeah I've heard it nothing was, but good was, things and I want to know the implication it has into the continuity and the greater story so yeah, yeah. All right, right. seven one ninety eight reviewed Flashpoint, Hal Jordan number two and gave the story two out of five and the art two out of five and at the time of recording nobody made this a pick of the week. And Keith says, many of the Flashpoint tie-in books have been fun, exciting, and add to the scope of the Flashpoint event. Then you have those that are dull, silly, and basically pointless. Without a doubt, Flashpoint and Hal Jordan falls in the second category. Issue 1 offered very little in terms of Flashpoint relevance, but had just enough question in it, and it's ending to bait me in for issue 2. But after reading the second book, the story feels even less important and does nothing to make me care about what takes place. Adam Schlagman's writing is subpar at best, and his story is hodgepodge of disjointed plot lines, poorly written dialogue, and Cliff Richards' art shines on a few pages but looks rushed and almost unfinished on others. Most panels lack any attention to detail, and the washed-out colors don't help. It's not a terribly ugly book, but there's nothing that stands out as a good work. In truth, the art looks just as uninteresting as the story. I didn't pick this one up. This wasn't one that made the cut for me. So, Are you, are you sure this wasn't Judgmental Steve's review? <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was pretty much what Q said. It was, uh, this was not a great week for Flashpoint books. There was one that was good, but the rest weren't. This was not very good. Yeah. The art was vacillating between trying to draw the characters like, like uh, Ryan Reynolds and the other characters, and then other times it didn't look anything like them, and it was just a mess. Yeah. So there you go. Too bad. All right, then. That's the, that's, uh, the user review, so go to com. You can make your pull list, make, write user review. If it's good, it'll get on the show. And uh, thank you. And if you like this show, you listen to this show, you listen to our Don't Miss show, you listen to our Watch Our Video shows, all the shows, all the content we do for you, you might find yourself wondering, how can you help support these guys who help provide me with all this free entertainment, hours of it. How, 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 how can I help them out? They make my comic book experience better. Well, the one thing you can do is go to ifanboy.com and click on the banners. For instance, there's a banner for welovefine.com. They do Mighty Fine t-shirts. And if you look on the banner, you see there's a code for ifanboy users. You get 10% off your order. So that, these aren't just Google banners we're throwing up there. These are specific you know, <laughs> banners for ifanboy. Yep. Go and click on them. So if you want a T-shirt from Mighty Fine and you want ten percent off, click on the banner. There's a code for it. I fanboy eleven, and you, you, you know, there you go. That some helps good us T-shirts. Out. Yeah, yeah. Really, they've some great Marvel. They've got the Marvel license. They're the ones doing all those like Saul Bass kind of inspired X-Men shirts. Yes, they um, look cool. Yeah, really good stuff. And so take advantage of this ten percent off code. I fanboy eleven. Go to wheelofine.com. Click on the banner. Go help. Do it. 
iFanboy.com slash Amazon, where you can go to the Amazon store, and you can anything you buy through Amazon, we get a little tiny piece of it at no extra cost to you, just as a cost to Amazon, and uh, stick it to the man. Yeah. Take, take <laughs> That's why. Away from their order and give, and give it to us. Um, I use I do all my purchasing through there too, so I help myself. All of it, literally, groceries, fuel. <laughs> I'm waiting on my groceries, fuel. <laughs> and finally, <laughs> what am I fueling? <laughs> fuel. <laughs> fueling my tank where I'm building ice. Hey, from Idiot Mean and Papa Doc. I be a member at um, slash store four dollars a month, forty two dollars a year, or ten dollars a month, hundred dollars a year. Get you a prize pack. Uh, we just sent out all the pr- prize packs that were ordered before San Diego. So if you did that, you haven't gotten it yet. It's on the way. Uh, anyone who's been a member since San Diego will have to wait a little while as we recover. But do that. We really appreciate it. You'll get a nice little prize pack in our eternal gratitude. Yep. And you can do that at ifanboy.com slash store where you can sign up for a yep. membership there. Cool. All right. On to the emails. Uh, we've got one email this week. It's from Neeks who says, hey, i got a question for you guys. What's the deal on Doctor Strange exactly? He's always been a character I've never really known much about, but seems interesting to me. Just curious if there's any run of issues or books or, uh, book, or book volumes that are worth reading on this character, or if any of you guys are a fan of his or even know much about him, since it seems that he's never mentioned while comics are being discussed. Um, and I feel like this is like the minor league equivalent of where should I start in Green Lantern. I feel like this question comes up like once a year, doesn't it? With Doctor Strange? Yeah, or with, with Doctor Strange. Every, yeah, every now and then a, someone asks about it. That's because he's been in, the, in Bendis' Avengers a lot, and yep. he he had a great Brian K. Vaughn, Marcos Martin miniseries, but he doesn't really sustain a book on his own in the modern age. The seventies Doctor Strange is the one everybody points to. I have admittedly not read it. Yeah, no, you want to you, you want to go back and read the, the late sixties, early seventies Doctor Strange stuff, and it's I think it's available in Marvel Essentials as well. It's collected in trades and things like that. That stuff was trippy and crazy and Ditko. Mad, yeah, Ditko, oh, amazing. And um, and like you, you said, it was Doctor Strange: The Oath by Brian K. Vaughan and Marcus Martin, which was fantastic, and that's really the best modern Doctor Strange story. But the problem is, for some reason, he's just he's one of the, he's the eternal B lister, you know, like he you know he pops up in the Defenders, now he's popping up in the Avengers, he pops up when they need a magic storyline, something like that, but cannot sustain an ongoing series for some reason. Um, that one that Mark Wade did a, a little while back, that was that was Oh, yeah, that mini, was a right? couple years ago. That was just a mini, yeah. yeah when, um, when he went to the baseball game. The thing right now is that he, you know, for a long time he was the Sorcerer Supreme, yeah. and now he's not that. It looks like he's going to be soon. Is that... Am I seeing that correctly? I don't know. Possibly. But I feel... I th- some of those Marvel teasers make it look like... Uh, maybe maybe that. Well, he's gonna come. He's gonna come back. He's gonna be in the Defender series, the new yeah. Defender that they announced in San Diego. So you'll right. get some more of him there. And that's the other thing too. If you want some Doctor Strange, pick up the old Defenders. The old Defenders comics are great, and he's very prominent in those. Well, he's been in New Avengers for years now. So. Yeah, yeah, so. cool. So some characters don't, don't sustain a book. Yeah, that's the thing. He's, he's anymore. A, he's a great character. I mean, it's fat. You know, fat, you know, surgeon who loses the ability to use his hands, so learns the magic and learns the cult. I mean, we all know his story. You know, by the. Yeah, you know, the the Eye of Agamotto and the Hori Hordes of Hoggoth and, and Wong and the Greenwich Village Studio and all that. So, I mean, like we know, I, I know a lot about Doctor Strange. A surprising one twenty three A Bleecker Street. Yeah, I know a surprising amount about Doctor Strange actually. <laughs> so too bad, but anyway. So if you have any questions about characters, you can email us at contact at ifanboy dot com. Um, all right, our next questions uh, got a question. Uh, our next voicemail, our only voicemail, has got a question about logistics. Hey guys, this is Dave uh, in Washington, D.C. Watching the Avengers uh, Earth's Mightiest Heroes Season 8 Episode 1 with uh, um, Nick Fury in it. And uh, he was battling in a flying car and he got kicked off the flying car. And he had like um, some 
wing kind of things that look like banshees from the X-Men, and he just flew down from, you know, to the ground, like, totally safely. And my question is, um, it, how did he do this, and can I do the same thing? Because um, it seems like you can just fly if you have the right costume. Um, so let me know, guys. I'm going to start working on my outfit. Thanks. You know, in Transformers, they did that. They had those suits with the wings on them. Did they? Yeah, remember yeah. when they jumped out of the the thing at the oh, end? Oh yeah, I remember. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I guess I guess that it's real. It's fine. I mean, I, I, <laughs> I think don't know. I think we should remind him that it's a cartoon. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. My question is, where does the car go? That's a very good question. <laughs> it's not like it just never, stops. We we never get questions that like like I was watching Ben Ten and <laughs> it's always this like this we can speak to. Yeah. Oh well, that. Yeah. Uh, all right, so keep us posted on your progress of building your suit. We look forward to that. And it's be, called what you gliding. Want to do. They, they, they want, have those suits. You can glide. They do. Uh, I mean, that's the thing. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I've seen people who like parachute. Like the thing, the thing at the end of the Transformers movie. That that's a legitimate like skydiving thing where like they. I always feel like they they put their arms close to their to their sides and then do something and then all, all of a sudden they've got the wings like they, if you're falling though like it doesn't work when you're close to the ground it's yeah. not maneuverable yeah exactly like, you it's need, not it's not like you can land with that you need a secondary device yeah don't don't jump off your roof and do that you need to get really jump out of a plane if you, if you do no no, no. <laughs> videotape it <laughs> no no because otherwise it's not worth it no we're not liable for any of this stuff. Okay. Um, no, you not jump. So you can call call our voicemail line. Do it. Call our voicemail line at one eight eight fanboys. It's one eight three two six two six nine seven. The Don't Miss podcast is a show that we do usually. It didn't happen last week, but there was a lot going on. Is what I'm saying. Comic Con last week. Yeah, that's true. Nothing, nothing happens during Comic Con. Nothing, 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 except for everything. Uh, we will talk with a creator about a book they have coming up this the, the Wednesday after the show comes out. The show comes out every Monday. Uh, this week I'm talking to Jeremy Barlow of uh, Dark Horse's Cult Number 1. It's, it's a miniseries, and I'm, I shit you not, it is based on a, an obscure Swedish horror role-playing game. Oh, really? Not, he said role-playing game, and I immediately thought video game. It's not. No, it's tabletop gaming. Awesome. <laughs> it's cool. like, that's some weird licensing. It's old school. Right? Yeah, but it's, uh, it's a horror book, and, and you, you can hear all about it on Monday. Excellent. And if you were looking for our Captain America podcast, we finally did it, and it's on the feed behind this one. We put it out in the uh, middle of the week. We, San Diego delayed our viewing of it. So if you wanted to hear what we thought about Captain America and the First Avenger, look for it. Either on the feed behind this or on ifanboy.com. You can stream it there or wherever you find our podcast. You can find that. And this week, this weekend, Cowboys and Aliens came out. We're going to do a show about that, just not yet. <laughs> because we just did a Captain America show. Yeah, so ex- and expect that later this week. Why put movies out around San Diego? Oh, it's so painful. It's not fair. Don't they realize we have a schedule to keep? Yeah. So head over to ifanboy.com where you can, uh, you can go check out the Captain America podcast, the Don't Miss podcast. You can read my Pick of the Week review on ifanboy.com um, as well as all the great uh, uh, news and discussion and all the great stuff on ifanboy.com. You can see all the stuff from San Diego that you might have missed and the wrap-ups that came up this past week. Um, and then we've got more great stuff. Uh, check out for Paul's uh, Cowboys and Aliens review that's up on ifanboy.com. Um, and basically it's the place you want to be if you're into this shit. So um, go to go to go, go, go to <laughs> sorry. So, uh, so you remember? Go. I think it was in Major League Two or something like that. The coach like 
he was in a hospital bed, and then like he's watching the game on TV, and he stands and he goes, "I love this shit." Yeah. Always killed me for some reason. That's what that made me think of. Yeah. Sort of in spirit. So anyway, go to I, go to Twitter.com/slash/ifanboy and follow <laughs> us there. Go to Facebook.com/slash/ifanboy, and we do a video show every Wednesday. Comes out, and this past Wednesday it was our. Uh, our monthly <laughs> check-in with Robert Kirkman, <laughs> um, where we talked to Robert Kirkman at the San Diego Comic-Con. Always a blast. Always fun. Hopefully, it just makes you laugh. That's the point. Uh, but and that's we, it for San Diego coverage, right? No yeah, that's it. That's all, no, we didn't talk to we anybody else. nothing else? Yeah, exactly. No, we talked to a shit ton of people. And so tune in this Wednesday for the first uh, episode of our coverage from San Diego. You swear a lot, dude. Fuck yeah. Sorry. I'm sorry if your kid's listening. <laughs> Uh, you can email us at contact at ifanboy.com or a voicemail at 888-FANBOYS, which is 326-2697 with any questions you have. If you're going to leave a voicemail, keep keep in mind that if it's too long, we can't play it on the show. But say who you are and where you're from, and you may get a profanity-laden response from Ron. Possibly. I, no promises. Cockfucker, bitch. Whore. Whoa. <laughs> and if you like the show, this show, the Don't Miss show, the video show, please leave a review on iTunes. It helps people find the show. For stuff to listen to or watch. It, it really helps us out. So if you can leave, leave a review, it doesn't have to be long. If you write an essay, just, uh, just leave a quick review. And uh, we thank you. And tell your friends, tell your comic book store people, tell the people at the convention which you were just at. Maybe you'll listen right. to this in the future. Tell the creators that you meet at the conventions to listen to the podcast. They, or that you heard about their book on our podcast. Yeah, that's nice. Okay, so until next week, I'm Ron. I'm Connor. You don't have to celebrate it, Frank. I'm Josh. Yeah,